This morning our scripture comes from Luke chapter 1. And this is really where Mary uh, finds out what God has in store for her. And her response, especially what she says to the angel um, at the end. I hope you listen to her, uh, the last verse and listen to what Mary says to the angel. And, and, and take that into your heart and realize what do you need to say to God. And how do you need to respond to God when he asks you to do something. And we should all respond like Mary does. So the, the scripture reading this morning says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to be fulfilled then the angel left her. May we all say, I am the Lord's servant. These are the words of the Lord. Let us all pray. God, today we come and we prepare our hearts for what, we, what you want us to hear today. And as we go from this place, like Mary, whatever you've asked us to do, let our hearts Say, I am the Lord's servant. If we're so boldly, let us proclaim it to those around us that we are the Lord's servant and we will do whatever you need us to do. God, in this time of Advent, in this time of Christmas, we ask that you are with us and that you guide us to the one true thing that motivates our lives, like that star guided the wise men. God, and that we ask that you pray for Pastor Mike, and we pray for all the leadership team and the staff and the leaders in this church, that we can be guiding people to the baby, to the Savior, to the light of the world, the light that does not, that overcomes darkness. God, we ask your presence in this place. Flood this place with your Holy Spirit so that we can hear your word and the word that you've prepared through Pastor Mike. In your name we pray, amen. Have pulpit, will travel. Good morning. Again, kind of exciting to receive the um, fruits of the labors of the Turkey Trot Committee. <coughs> I, you heard the dollar number, but what that means in fly is a week, a week of lunches that was uh, given to us by Turkey Trot. So that's a wonderful uh, thing. And as I come up here, uh, you can't see what I see, which are little pieces of uh, boas 
and sparkly glitter all over here, remnants of last night's puppet show, which was fabulous and fantastic. And I, as they come, they're going to have a uh, last night's show is about 40 minutes. It was great, kind of, uh, I would call it kind of like puppets, playtime poppy kind of thing. Really, uh, the kids beside me were giggling and laughing the whole time and loving it. And so I hope when we do our spring uh, performance, uh, you'll come back with a different uh, program. And I do want to encourage you to invite your friends, not to necessarily see this building, but uh, a lot of your friends don't have a church home, may not have a place to go on Christmas or around the Christmas season. Invite them to some of the things that are listed in the bulletin, including our Christmas Eve service. And I want to take one moment here and say thank you. Uh, thank you for all your prayers. Uh, I had a little bit of an inner ear balance uh, last week. And here's the thing. <coughs> I, I probably would have been okay to stand right here and talk. But I know you people. I'd have taken a step over here and I'd have lost balance and tumbled over here. And no matter, even though you'd all said, <gasps> you'd have posted it on Facebook within three minutes. And that's what I've been famous for in my career. So uh, I uh, appreciate Simon stepping in and the rest of the team stepping up. They did a great job. Uh, all right, let's get to work. I want to talk to the Protestant Christians today. And that's who's here and probably who's going to be watching us on the uh, Internet via Facebook or other places. See, because Protestants, we oftentimes look at the story of our nativity, of the blessed nativity, and we forget the critical role that Mary has in the incarnation of God. We forget how important Mary's role is in bringing the Christ child to earth. And you can see this in our Protestant circles because as you drive around town, you will find very few St. Mary's Methodist, St. Mary's Lutheran, St. Mary's Baptist kind of churches. Now, in Cedar Rapids alone, there's a bunch of boy saint churches. There's St. James Methodist, St. Mark's Methodist, St. Paul's Methodist. But we kind of set Mary to the side, maybe because we're a little afraid of our post-Catholic tradition, because <coughs> we don't want to channel our prayers through Mary. And I'm not going to go into all that theology, because that's not exactly the way it goes. But here's the truth. When you read the Gospels of Christ, Mary is exalted. She is raised to the highest place among people. Not as a goddess or as the best mom ever, even with the coffee cup to prove it. Or even as the most fantastic woman that ever live, lived. <clears throat> That's not why Mary's exalted in the Gospels. Mary is exalted, lifted high in the Gospels because she is the role model for Christian disciples. She is the disciple the way a disciple is supposed to be. Now, the writers of our Advent devotionals this week, and I hope you're reading them, whether it's via email, Facebook, or the printed copies that were handed out. But the writers of our Advent devotionals, I mean, Marian Methodist members, really unearthed this truth that Mary is the model disciple. And as, they, as I read those devotions day by day, I found that they unearthed in Mary's two big lines in this scripture the truth of what we're to pursue. The first line is when Mary says, how can this be? The angel says, you're going to give, us, give birth to a son. She says, how can this be? That's not possible. And then at the end, after the angel describes to her what he's going to do through God's strong hand, she says, let it be fulfilled through me. May your word be fulfilled in me. So let's look at those two lines in the bulk of our minutes 
today. How can this be? says Mary the disciple. Of course, Mary is like all young women that are betrothed, that are engaged. She's thinking about a life to come with Joseph. And of course, children are some part of that equation. You know, somewhere out there. You know, children with her and Joseph. But then comes this angel's voice and doesn't say to her, well, that's a great plan you have out there in some future. He says, we're going to do this now. And the child's not going to be yours. So your answer would be, like hers, how is that possible? How is this going to happen now? And the child that I'm to gestate will not be mine. Because this is God's plan. I'm going to quote a few of our devotionals this week. Leanne Rodriguez wrote this. God's plan doesn't always align with my plans. I should be able to get about 250. 50 Methodist amens right there. Yeah. I, I remember coming up, you know, <clears throat> looking at some of my role models, and sadly a couple of them have passed away in the last month or so. My high school football coaches, guys I knew, people I really respected. And I remember coming up thinking, man, I would love to be a, a, a football coach and a teacher. That would be a great thing. But God did not align his plan with mine. He was unwilling to align his plans with mine. How about you? Do you remember your plans? Has God aligned his plan with the one that you came up with? Mary says, how can this be? One of our friends, uh, Claire Atwood, sitting right over here, she wrote this in her Lenten devotional. Are you marveling yet? At least that's how I read it. Are you marveling yet? What will it take you to marvel at your God and King? What is needed for you to be astonished at Jesus? You know, in this uh, congregation, I see a lot of hair that's similar color to mine or without, which means most of us have been by Christmas a lot of times, and we forget to marvel. We forget to be astonished at all this. Do you marvel? Do you marvel at what comes to pass in God's plan? I do. <coughs> Some of you are in tune. Others get to learn about it right now. I want to tell you about the, the life in the week of my daughter. My oldest daughter, Sarah, had quite a week this week. Tuesday, she was driving up the exit ramp where she lives, and she tail-ended somebody. That's obviously her fault. But in her car, not a brand new car, but her car, the airbag deployed. Now, important to this story, Sarah is 29 weeks pregnant, already in what would be considered a high-risk pregnancy scenario. I'll explain it to all you moms that want to know. Guys just need to know it's a high-risk scenario, all right? So, because of that accident and the pregnancy, she was immediately taken to Iowa Methodist Hospital. Mother Teresa and I received a call uh, not too long after that saying, uh, this is what's happened. Sarah's kind of in trouble. We're going to wait and see. I texted my son-in-law back and said, listen, you want me to come? Tell me, come. He said, come. We got on the way. We went down there. We got down there 10 o'clock Tuesday night. Tuesday night, 10 o'clock, Iowa Methodist Hospital in the maternity ward where high-risk pregnancies are being held. A doctor looked right into our face and said, there is a 1% to 5% chance you're not going to have this baby tonight. 1% to 5% chance. 
In the meantime, we had sprayed out, hey, this is, we need prayer, we need prayer, we need prayer from you, we need prayer from my Methodist preacher friends, we need prayer from everybody on Cameron's side of the family, everybody's praying. One to five percent chance there's not going to be a baby born tonight. We know that baby's going to be born at 29 weeks, which means it's probably going to stay in the NICU for 10 weeks or so at Iowa Methodist Hospital. Uh, There's all these other medical scenarios. The baby's heart beats going like this and like that. But the doctor says, let's just wait. And I'm telling you, the prayers started to be poured on. That's Tuesday night. Wednesday, T and I stayed throughout the day till evening. The doctor came in and said, you know, we don't really understand what's happening here. But the heartbeat's starting to (coughs) clear up here, starting to moderate about 140 where we want it. You're not bleeding. The baby's not suffering any trauma. So we're just going to keep you pregnant. But we're going to keep you right here in the hospital. In the meantime, we're giving out responses. We're giving out prayers. We're, we're, we're asking people to pray everywhere. And I know a lot of you did because you told me you did. And we felt it. So my daughter says to Teresa and I, go home. And since I'm just going to be here, come back on the weekend, which we said, okay. Thursday went by. More good news. Friday comes by two days ago and the doctor comes in and says okay we don't get what's happening here we think you're going to be okay we think that rather than you having to stay in the in, in the in the high-risk pregnancy center for seven to ten more weeks we're going to send you home now sarah's kind of a tough kid and she says to him well can i go back to work And he says, what do you do for a living? She says, I teach middle school students. He said, you should never go back to that. (laughs) But if you feel good enough, you can probably teach Monday, which is what she intends to do tomorrow. I marvel at what God has planned for that little baby. I marvel at what God has planned for that pregnancy. I marvel at what God did in that because every inch of science said this isn't going to happen this way. God often does, and we don't know why. You know, because I'm well aware, and I'm not so uh, self-unconscious about the fact that somebody else has the same scenario And they're in the 95% that has to have a premature baby. And I know the woods we are not out of. But I marvel. I marvel at what God has done here. I marvel what God has planned here at the end of your prayers and my prayers, Teresa's prayers, the prayers of all the beloved saints that, that, that prayed. I marvel at what God has going on. I marvel at this impossible pregnancy of Mary that changes the world. Not a prophet has spoken for 400 years before the angel speaks to Mary. The Jews had been faithful for 400 years and not heard a single word from God. And now we hear directly from the angel of God saying, God is with us and he's not going to leave. And we can choose to be with God. And Mary is the model disciple because she didn't just marvel. She chose God back. She says, the second big line that our Advent devotional writers unearthed, she says this line, after the angel says all this, 
simply, may your word be fulfilled. May your word be fulfilled. In our Advent devotional, Dan Chia wrote this. She placed herself in the hands of God and trusted that he would take all care of all the details. That he'd take care of all the details. Are we at a place yet where we can follow the lead of our model disciple, put ourselves in God's hands, and trust God to take care of all the details? I wonder, I marvel at what God can do. Years ago when uh, I lived in Colorado and used to be able to go skiing a lot, one day we went to Winter Park, which is a ski area owned by the city of Denver. It's, it's up by Fraser, Colorado. But I was skiing, and behind me, I heard this, left, right, mogul on your left, left, right, 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 mogul on your right. I turned around, and there's this guy, obviously an expert skier, skiing, and directly behind him, about 12 yards, the blind guy, skiing. But the front guy is the guy. There's no guy wire between them. There's nothing holding them. The blind guy is skiing at the instructions of his guide. Cut left, cut right, cut right, mogul. Followed every instruction. The blind skier completely trusted their, their lives, literally. They, they completely trusted themselves in the hands of their guide, trusting that the guide would take care of the details. And so the question comes to us when we look at what Mary did, trusting God for all the details, we ask ourselves, do, do you trust God with the details as your life as completely as a blind skier trusts another human being with the details of theirs? Do you? Maybe we weren't ready for a question on the second Sunday of Advent. Maybe we really weren't really ready to do some introspection. But do you trust God? as much as a blind skier trusts their, their guide. See, Christmas for the Christian is about a decision based in trust. It's about a decision. It's just not nostalgia and cool carols, even though, wow, our choir, you know, wow. Mandy Lamb, one of the young women in our church, wrote this. Mary chose her God. More importantly, God chose Mary. And he chooses us. It's a comprehensive thing. Every day he chooses us. What a glorious thing to hold on to. See, all the sights and sounds of Advent, these, these candles and all this beautiful stuff that, 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 that Regan Hutt felt made for us, all, all, the, all the candles and all the, the nativities and all the songs that we sing, all the carols that run across our mind, everything from candles to cradles point to the fact that every day, from now through forever, God has chosen us. Us collectively and you individually. What a glorious thing to celebrate at Christmas. What a glorious thing to put our hands around. What a glorious thing to, to hold on to. It moves us beyond our plans to God's plans and how we act upon Mary's example in our own lives. Ron Knapp, who's sitting right over there, wrote this in his Advent devotional. While this story does not, does fulfill the promise of God and sets the stage for the Christmas season, get this, it's so much more than this. You see, the Christmas story reaches beyond Christmas. It's so much more than that. It sets the stage, not for part of our lives, 
but for the entire existence as Christians. For our entire existence as Christians. See, Mary's example is this. God says, will you? And she says, I'll do it. I, I, you know, really? She's probably 15 years old. So I don't really know how that goes. And I don't want to be cute about it. Although I could be. You don't agree with me? I'm guessing Mary's answer was a little more timid than, I'll do it. It was probably a 15-year-old, 16-year-old girl saying, I'll do it. And she has no idea what the it really is. Carrying a baby is one thing. Carrying God's son is a whole different thing. Knowing the hopes and fears of all our years. Remember that song? Are born through him tonight? Our existence as Christians is to mirror hers. It's to say, yes, God, I'll do it. Without even really knowing what the it is. Craig Collins, also here this morning, wrote this. The Christmas message is a reminder that I'm called to listen to what God wants me to do and act on it. Hearing goes to action, no matter how impossible I think the act may be. Angels tell Mary she's necessary for God's plan in the world. The Holy Spirit tells you you are necessary for God's plan in this world. One of our high school students, Allie Donahue, wrote this. Mary provides an example for us to follow today. She had a submissive heart and put her trust in God. And that is exactly what he wants of us. See, the problem is we're like Huck Finn in a lot of ways. Remember Huck Finn? You read Mark Twain? Huck Finn's talking to his Sunday school teacher, and he's overwhelmed with how bad he is and all of his sins and how he probably ought to go to hell. And she's telling him God has a purpose for him. But Huck Finn simply says to her, God don't have no use for me. God don't have no use for me. So many people that I've found in, in church and in, in the Christian community feel the same way. They feel like God doesn't have any use for us because we're unlikely candidates for God's service. And I would remind you that God used a 15-year-old version to usher in the entire salvation of the world. So please, please, please do not limit God's choices. If he has chosen you, don't argue with him. He can use you if you trust him in all the details. He can use you if you believe that you are made able by God's hand. I love this hymn that's in the, the United Methodist hymnal. It says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full, that means full attention. Look full into his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. The things of earth are all the things that hold us back. All the reasons we say we can't when God's saying you can. All the time when we're saying we can't and God's saying I can. Look full into his wonderful face and all the things of earth will look strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Chuck Alexander wrote in the Advent devotional. So if, if you haven't gotten this commercial, then I'm encouraging you to read these devotionals yet. You're missing something big. But he wrote this. I have found what I have heard to be true. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. He calls the completely uneducated, completely unprepared, and then completely unqualified. 
to do his work. Of course he does. He needs us. No, none of us have the right qualifications. None of us have the right portfolio of stuff to win people to Christ, to represent God in the world. Do you want a good example about this? Listen to this. This is a story that happened. Now, when I moved to Marion, Iowa, to be the pastor of your church, Marion Methodist, I had already been a pastor for 21 years. I say that because that's important to this story. I'd been a pastor. I'd led a thousand-member church before I came to lead this one. I was not inexperienced. I was not new at what I was doing. So after I'd been in Marion a few years, my other daughter, my little one, was in the doctor's waiting room. She had something going on, I don't remember, old enough to drive herself, old enough to wait on her own. She was seated beside an older gentleman that began to talk to her. It came to pass that that older gentleman was the father of one of my high school mates. That older gentleman said to Lisa, what does your dad do? She said, he's the pastor at the Marian Methodist Church. And she said, well, who is your dad? She said, well, my dad's Mike Morgan. And he said to her, you mean Mark, right? <laughs> and she said, and she said, no, my dad is Mike. And he says, there's no way Mike Morgan is a pastor. <laughs> Mark, we can believe. But not Mike. And Lisa said, I know who my dad is. And Mr. Muller says, I still think you're wrong. But the point is, all true, by the way, if God can qualify a knucklehead like me that hears a call and knows he's completely undereducated, completely unprepared, completely unqualified, but says me when God, that says yes when God calls me, if he can use me, see, this is my perspective because of conversations like that. I always think if he can use me, oh, my goodness, how he can use you. If you choose to be the child God wants you to be. You see, the, the angel's voice is all about communicating to Mary and beyond Mary to us that we are necessary for God's work in the world. God needs every single one of us to listen to believe and to say yes to the invitation to faithful obedience. Once, once, one time, the Lord needed a Mary. One time, the Lord needed a Mary to hear, to believe, and to respond. But today and every day, the Lord needs a, insert your name here, the, the Lord needs a, insert your name here, to hear and believe and respond. When we think, how can this be? How can this possibly be? Why would this be my role? We need to respond. Oh God, may your word be fulfilled through me. That's the Advent message. That's the core of our Christian faith. We marvel at what God does. We marvel at who God calls and say, how can this be? And ultimately we are to say, may your word 
be fulfilled through me. Join me in prayer. God, you're the one and only. Before ever a single one of us was, there was you. Molding your creation. Putting it together. Setting it free. And yet, Lord, as you set it and gave free will upon every single soul that would ever walk along the earth, so it came with two things, your eternal presence and your call to follow, respond, obey. Lord, we can get so consumed with ourselves during a season like this with our activities, our shopping, our season. Let us not forget that every single day of every single year, your activity is what is most important, and it's always your season. And Lord, if we didn't say yes to you 20 years ago, help some of us pick today to say yes, Lord. I don't think what you're asking me to do is possible. But if it's your word, let it be fulfilled to me. And let it be fulfilled through me. In your name, God, the one who was, is, and is to come, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.